Hey therapist, welcome back to the podcast. I have a guest for you today. So Krista Harrison is a friend and a colleague who I've known for quite a while. We've done different coaching programs together and they're a therapist and a coach who specializes in work with queer healers. So I would love you to really listen to this conversation because it talks about when we're that messy middle of transitioning from doing less therapy to doing more coaching, which a lot of people might have questions on. So certainly listen for that. And also some unique challenges to working with the LGBTQ population and living in the South. Uh, Things that really were eye-opening to me, uh, things that I didn't get from their perspective about what they're facing in their clinical work and the difficult choices. And I really see Krista as a trailblazer and a community advocate. And it was just an interesting conversation that we had. So I would love you to listen in to this wonderful provider. This is the Finding Joy After Burnout podcast, a podcast for therapists and mental health professionals. Together, we unravel burnout and find our road back to joy. Here's your host, Dr. Jen Blanchett. Hey, Krista, welcome to the Joy After Burnout podcast. It's so great to have you. How are you? Thank you, Jen. It's great to be here. I'm good. I'm glad to be talking to you. Yes. Yes. I know we were chatting a little bit before and we probably should have gotten that whole conversation, but (laughs) uh, it's just great to connect because it's been too long and we need to make this a regular thing. So It is. Yes. So I, I think you have so many wonderful nuggets for people to hear about your story and what's going on with you in your practice and your life. But I'm just going to have you start out with talking about your burnout story. And I know there's multiple things you want to share, but maybe what's showing up for you now in your practice. Yeah, I can start with just saying it's overwhelming. <laughs> I'm really overwhelmed by all of my uh career choices and it's I'm in a place where I know a lot of pieces are important mm-hmm. but I just it's it's like having lots of sticky notes everywhere but without having any kind of flow I, I don't have the streamlined base to pull from or it feels that way I'm just smiling because I I feel the same way in many, many <laughs> regards so yes So what's showing up for you now that seems like some... I know we, on the pre-interview, we talked about those kind of three prongs for you. I'm like, four, three. Okay. Three prongs, which you have like volunteering work that's really taking a lot of your energy therapy, your therapy practice, and then coaching offerings. So maybe do you want to jump into that and just kind of share what's, what's going on in those different spheres? Sure. I have had my private practice for about five years now, and I am so grateful. I built it in a way that was for me, and it wasn't patterned after anybody else's needs. And so it has served me really well, and I'm very grateful. I have some amazing clients. I work with individual adults primarily, and I work with a lot of people who've had trauma, PTSD, and it's really important for me to hold space for the queer community, uh, the trans community. And just, um, it's important for me, like many, to uh, 
honor the individual journey. And I love getting to sit there with each person and be part of their journey, challenge them gently and let them make their decisions and witness their changes and growth and excitement and, and harm and hurt, not harm, but hurt. Yeah. Hurt from harm <laughs> that the people go through. So I do have a private practice and it is, I would say part-time and I've even scaled back. I had to create it part-time because of how hard life was for me whenever I created it back around 20, when it all started. Well, 2018, I knew I wanted to create something that I could handle and my physical ability was less than a lot of others. I just didn't have the ability to give the full standard productivity. I had to fight against the productivity model. Yeah. And now I have. And you came um, from agency work where you were in. Agency I came work? from agency work and there was t times where I was working at three different places and just seeing as many people as I could trying to pay the bills in a. Um, Do you remember what those expectations were like clinical hour wise at the agency or what you were doing that felt too much or. Hmm. I went, I've worked at different ones, but they all did have different productivity models. And I definitely, I remember feeling really stressed out when I left and really glad I was leaving. But I don't know if I remember like the specifics. Okay. Yeah. Some people do. Some, I, I remember when I was working agency work, they, I had a 30 hour expectation. If I wanted vacation, that is. Got you. Of course. Right. <laughs> yeah. If I wanted to work without vacation, I guess I could have done 26. So. Interesting. I know. Got you. Yes, I don't remember. There there was some nuance to it, but I can't remember exactly what the expectations were there. But I had migraines on a regular basis. Um, I my my body was a lot larger like than it is now. And I just I didn't feel like I had energy whenever I get home to like, you know, live my life. I was it just felt like I was just sucked. I did love clients. I did love working with people. But it was just, it just took everything I had. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the people, you know, I've talked to and myself that I remember like I used to try to cram my days into like having seven or eight clients in one day so I could have more days off. And the, the, the aftermath of that is just, I was totally fried mentally, honestly. Yeah. One, one time I decided I was going to be responsible and, like earn the money for a vacation so I could take my kiddo on a vacation by uh, taking on extra, <laughs> extra night groups. So I took them on so I could earn the money and pay for it. And I was really proud of myself. I'm still proud of myself on that level for being the financially responsible in that moment because it's not always been something that I'm thinking about or prioritizing. But yeah, it was hustle, right? Hustle, 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 hustle mode and too much. It's like, go until you fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. So I had the private practice, which is part-time. And I also have a coaching business. It kind of sounds strange to say that, but it's true. <laughs> it feels feels different for me to say that. It, I, I think a lot of therapists would, you know, agree. Like that it feels, you know, weird. Or even before I started yeah. offering some coaching, I was just like, coaches, you know, and I'm <laughs> like, oh yeah, that's great. <laughs> right. I... I do appreciate the whole coaching concept and I do understand there's all kinds of layers to it. But 
Yeah, I am leaning towards a coaching business and kind of stepping further away from therapy and more into supporting people outside of the therapy office. And um, one way I did that, that just kind of came organically, was to host a retreat, uh, Healing for Queer Healers. And so through that process, I, I loved that. The first retreat was just amazing. And I, I knew I just wanted to keep offering it and maybe do it annually or biannually. And I still would say I want to do it annually or maybe biannually. <laughs> I haven't decided. Um, so it will either come up once or twice a year as of now. And I did expand on that this year to add a virtual retreat to the potential offerings. And yeah, then the third prong you said was the volunteer, like Queer Providers and Allies Networking. A friend and I have co-founded that here in our area in Oklahoma City, and we have different people who come from mostly our area, mostly in state, but it's uh, we have a Facebook group and we have quite a few people who are involved. And then we meet once a month. We have a luncheon and network, and we're trying to cultivate community and find out who our safe referral sources are, you know, extend that out. All felt pretty isolated a lot, I think. Yeah. I think that's kind of universal is craving for community. And that includes that includes the queer professionals here. So yeah. Well, thank you for doing that work that you're doing on a volunteer basis. Yeah. It's really great work. I'm really grateful to be doing that. Awesome. And, and quite where and it fits more. exactly <laughs> as I balance all these things. Sorry, my chair is being noisy. Oh, it's okay. You're fine. Yeah. So those are the three things that are priorities for my career. Yeah. So I think one thing you said in the pre-interview was, you know, if there's one thing that I could let go, it would be the therapy practice. And I know there's a, a lot there to unpack, but maybe, you know, talk to me about some of that, what's coming up there. Yeah. So I went through a coaching program with Annie Schusler. It was awesome. Uh, yes, very, very much. Appreciate Two programs Annie. with Annie, and they are awesome. Yes, highly recommend. And I will go through more. But in doing that, um, in the beginning of 2023, I just started thinking more about the coaching and doing a virtual retreat. And so, as I was trying to develop that and think about that, I just felt like I was thinking along those lines. So I'd go to therapy with clients, and I'd my mindset was so different. I was like, I'm having trouble flipping from one brain to another for where I'm at. And so I was like, I just, I just feel like I need to just go fully one direction. So I know what my pocket is to stay in. And I, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't really worked through that yet, but mm -hmm. I did think, yeah, I think I'm, I might be working towards working myself out of therapy. And that was even before all the extra layers of legislation and other factors came in. Yeah. And for people not living in Oklahoma specifically, what specific things have you seen as a provider, a queer provider in Oklahoma, what's been coming up for you and what's been happening in yeah. the legislation and in, in your community? There have been many attacks. I think I can't remember the numbers. I want to say over 26. Don't quote me on the numbers, but attacks of the queer community in legislation. So really vilifying anybody who is LGBT at all. Um, 
really hardcore against trans people. They were able to get rid of all affirming care for kids in the state of Oklahoma. So if anybody was on any hormone blockers, they they don't get to continue that. Um, they tried to outlaw insurance paying it for adults. Mm-hmm. Um, they tried to make drag shows a felony in certain I didn't realize spaces. Felon- oh my gosh. Felony. With yes, they, they proposed things that would um if I remember right, there were some things that were going to make providers felons if we even spoke of affirming care to refer somebody to someone out of state. It it was ridiculous and I don't I don't I don't have a list of the things, so I don't yeah. want to like yeah wrong so just but like a, a, a sampling of the it's multiple a sampling but it's it was an onslaught of bill after bill after bill after bill and i know it's happened in multiple states and i know there's a bigger play here than just oklahoma but we right. did experience that and i have personally i have lots of clients or i have clients who are moving out of state because they do not feel safe here anymore and they do not feel like oklahoma it's potentially a place to walk around and not just be hurt just for existing and being trans or queer. I know of a lot of providers and colleagues who are making their plans to leave. I know way more that are leaving that are staying. Mm-hmm. I know people who are human rights activists who have been trying to fight for just people to be able to exist right. um, are on their way out. This is, it's really uh, overwhelming. It's really scary. The stay or go question is something that's coming up in provider meetings too, not just in the sessions. Yeah. So and I mean, also, I was taken aback that you told me that you know your your whole practice has changed essentially because of this because a lot of your clients have decided yeah. to leave and then you know you so your clinical caseload is very different. So that might have required you to shift and change and pivot on like financially. What do I what how many clients do I need to kind of keep yes. my financial needs and my practice going or to have cash flow and all of that, just thinking from a business lens, even if, and that's, yes. that's and that for me is, is all kind of scarcity and fear comes up. Yes. Uh, you know, it takes me back to the early pandemic when clients didn't come and I know it's for a different reason, of course, but mm-hmm. anyway, so, so I could certainly yeah. understand that maybe was a little, fear inducing for you to have that happen like on the and and all these other layers that are happening at the same time definitely definitely i think it was it was majorly fear inducing and more so on survival just i have somebody in my close chosen family you know close to the child's step sibling half sibling half sibling is trans and so the idea of getting out of Oklahoma just so somebody's not dead in a couple of years yeah. um, because of, we know the suicide rates when people don't get affirming care. Yeah. And we also know that ACLs use fighting it. We know that this is a big thing, but it's like the fear is definitely there. The fear is there of all of it. I had a client talk about it there, you know, go from talking about processing normal financial concerns for them to, what do I need when I leave? Because it's survival now. It's I can if I, I can do a one bedroom, if I could just have a microwave and a mini fridge. Like what are the essentials? What like let me strip it back down to what do I have to have to survive? This is somebody who has established a career and a home and you know, a neighborhood and vehicles, and they're like, I don't have to if I do this, you know, what can I strip it down to? 
And so as you're talking about the business side of it is very, very true, but there's also this element of, yeah, can I, um, can I go ahead and build this business that I intended to? <laughs> yeah. Can I continue the business I have? What does it look like? Cause my clients are more important than the money. Right. I mean, and what's also true is I still have to pay my bills. So finances are scary. Business yeah. is scary. The people that I care about are trying to decide if it's like what kind of refugee status they feel makes sense. Right. Yeah. Or do I file pan papers for Canada? Do I file papers for this other place? Do I uproot and leave everything I know and and hope all hope I can hope I can sustain a living with east coast west coast prices when I'm used to living in Oklahoma with right. less yeah, overhead I mean in Maine so our state is pretty expensive compared to Oklahoma yes. or one of the, one of the down south states and we just tend to be a little less expensive yeah so it really isn't feasible to do it without just really stripping down and starting over and living i mean survival right that building onto what i've already created a lot of a lot of people here are already they, they've already had to shift gears they've already they're already losing their friends their family their community and they don't feel like it's very much of a choice yeah so that is uh that's scary that's scary mm -hmm. on lots of levels yes so then for you, I mean, I could understand the overwhelm more so after yeah. we've been, you know, and our talk before about, yes, I have all these business ideas and, and there's also a book that you've talked about, which I think can yeah. kind of dovetail into the coaching slash, you know, therapy kind of conversation. But what's a, what is a way that I can serve this, this community and this population and also sustain myself, my family? Yeah. Because it's I I hear what you're telling me about the the activism you're doing and the which the therapy work I feel like is as well. I mean, all that you're doing, you are really committed to this community. Absolutely, and that's it's wonderful to see. And so, it's I, I can totally understand that overwhelm can make us get to a place where we we shut down because we just can't do anymore. But right. to think about like, how can you have the business sustain you so you can continue this work so you can do more so you can like maybe yeah. even affect more change at a larger level, potentially even. Yeah. So I did have a couple of ideas. I mean, I know you talked about your book and you want, so previously I'll give, I'll give the listener some background. So previously I know a lot about your business because we went through the same program together and I've even, you know, looked up pictures of the retreat center that you have previously run retreat and it just looks like a wonderful place just to to find healing. Uh, but you did develop some curriculum there when you were going through those experiences with the retreat, like delivering that retreat. Basics that you want to put back into the book. Is that am I wrong? I would say I'm still working on curriculum. I would okay. say that I built the retreat itself and kept very limited things. So I, I tried to limit any, I don't think I brought any education to it. I don't think I brought curriculum to it. Okay. I think I created and curated an experience mm -hmm. and it did include community and actually meeting together. So there was an element of like coming together, having some mindfulness moments, doing some journal prompts and then meeting and talking. So there was some 
there was personal work. So I, I think, I mean, we could label that in a way as curriculum, right? But, um, or at least that's kind of what I brought from therapists me, what felt good. Does that make sense? Yeah. I guess the wording is. And so when you were talking about a book, you were saying, you know, you were going to have some of those prompts or some of the things that you, maybe some of them that you used in the retreat setting. Is that correct? Or on a different I think I'm, I think my brain is trying to pull what those are. Mm -hmm. Hey therapist, I wanted to let you know about a free resource that I've developed for you. Introducing the Before You Quit guide. This is the free resource I wish I had when I was in the throes of burnout. So it's going to include focused journal props on areas of struggle and burnout in clinical practice, identification of depleting experiences in your practice and in your life. And then we'll hopefully identify some actionable items for change if you're feeling depleted in your role. Please give yourself the gift of slowing down and assessing what's really going on with your career turmoil as a therapist. I know it can be confusing, isolating, and totally overwhelming. So grab your freebie. And then the link for that is in the show notes. Thanks. It's like I don't have them outlined in a way that I have sticky notes. I have boards. I have lots of them. I'm trying to come back down to where what are the core things that I want it to include for when I do the virtual retreats. Yeah. Because I'll do those in like session, most likely eight sessions. And so it'll be the same kind of concept of what is the core stuff that I want to give to the people who come to those coachings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah, I'm really thinking something along the lines of including that in the book. Or but I'm still whittling down it's like sticky notes everywhere, like all these ideas. I do have what I wrote on my website that is included. I have things listed. Yeah, from but, the virtual but, retreat. I've I think I've seen that sales page. Maybe I can go back and look at that. Yeah. I should have looked at that beforehand, but um, So I do, I do have them. It just my I'll brain you, I'll tells give you some me feedback I don't feedback on that. My brain tells me I don't have them. But you do. You have do. essentially an outline. So my my issue is I have multiple outlines and I am dying to get one core that I can branch off for any of the rest of these for just my own brain. Yes. For now. Do you think like, pivots are fine, growing is fine, but do you think like when you run the virtual retreat, because it will happen, I am mm-hmm. manifesting it for you. <laughs> <laughs> That yeah. it would you that outline would kind of then be that guideline that you, you know, have those different topics that you're going to teach on for each week or each session. Yeah, was that your, was that your plan that you said thought that you know, hey, I'm going to have this this week from that outline, and then I'll develop whatever, whatever I want to teach on, even if there's the experiential component, a mindfulness exercise, or something else in there. Yeah, yeah, I think that's where I continue to be. There's that's my barrier. Okay. Is is actually creating that in a way that I feel like it's something of substance that's specific and clear. Like I feel good about my ability to create the container. Like yes. I feel amazing about the retreat that happened. And it's happened yeah, twice. You, and I've offered you it sound so confident about that when you've talked about retreats. When I've hear, heard yeah. you talk about retreats, you're just like, 
I can't, I got it, you know? And so I wonder if this piece just seems, I wonder what this piece is about for you. Yeah. The retreat itself, you're right. I do. I'm confident that if people show up that, that I've got, you know, the weekend retreat I've got, I want to, and I've created this space to bridge it to be an online option that's similar to coaching, right? Zoom and, but it's bringing the retreat essence. So the idea is to bring that essence. So like to, to walk people through calming their nervous system yeah. and connecting to themselves for a moment, unplugging and connecting to each other mm-hmm. and increasing some community. Specifics of what I speak about continue to be like, I don't feel clear. I can feel that space. I've done groups. I've, I'm a therapist. I, I can feel that space and it make it useful, but like to put it in a book or to put it on a paper and follow, follow it, you know? Yeah. yeah. To outline it still isn't clear. Yeah. And I just think that, that, that ability for you to hold space and to run that experience is so strong that I feel like the experience will lead you there. As you continue to go like each week, you know, you'll, you know, like this feels like this is landing. This feels really connected. This feels really great for this particular group. Does that make sense? It does. And then I think another thing you talked about was running this one-on-one. Like, could I have that outline and plan to do that with someone? I know our default as therapists is to show up and be like, so what are we talking about today? I mean, I know I'm guilty right. of it, this too, right? <laughs> We're just like moldable, yeah. but to bring someone through an experience is something you're so gifted at and that you've done that really well. And to start the one-on-one with hopes to get to that group experience, that group to kind of test it out is one one choice. It doesn't mean you have to do mm-hmm. that, but. Yeah, that makes sense. I do have the aha moments from experiences, not from sitting and thinking about what they will be. I mean, that's what's sitting with me as I, you know, sit with you and hear the work that you want to do, the work that you hope to do. Yeah. With this group. I mean, cause so much of what you're talking about is that people need that space to feel safe. And someone who's myself has been a trauma therapist for many years the presence of that other person is the key component of the work. It's the, yeah. it's the co-regulation. That's what I found anyway, in my, yeah. my time as a therapist. I don't know if that's a different thing that you're looking for with your experience and your group. No, I think that's just, I mean, that, that resonates strongly. And then how you're, you know, how you, do that is is going to be in the crystal way. You know, your own delivery of that is is what people are attracted to because you're in their community, because you know what they're going through, because there's there there's a layer of like, I don't have to explain all right. the crap that I've been going through because of, you know, the world that we live in. It's yeah. there's, there's already something that's dropping when they when they come to see you because it's not, you're like, oh I know. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting because it makes sense. Like the coaching thing seems simple in so many ways. Yeah. Especially for coming from a therapy 
space. It's like I do know how to hold space. And if holding space is the, is the core of it, it doesn't seem like it should be a very difficult transition. But I'm definitely getting caught in my head. Yeah. But I think... And still going. Oops. Yeah. And sh- it's okay to show up messy, I think, too, is this one. Also, I'm maybe a, a barrier that I'm hearing, too, is like I'm... Which I'm guilty yeah. of. I overthink everything. And... It, it's it just it holds me back from everything so i can i guess i can see myself in that because yeah. i do it all the time i'm like i ideate on this podcast for example for months and months and months and now here i am recording episodes but uh, yeah it's hard you know it's hard to feel like this is a vulnerable it's vulnerable work you're doing it's vulnerable this is vulnerable conversation that we're having uh to feel like okay i'm confident in in this but that holding space thing, thing I think is one of the key components. So one, another choice I thought about when I thought of your particular program is not having curriculum. Like the one-to-one can be uh, just, I'm, we're sh- I'm showing up and we're going to, fo- the coaching is going to focus on, you know, if you're talking about a business owner, a queer healer or practitioner, then I'm here to support you in that work. And, you know, we're doing the advocacy, advocacy, work that you've done, I think is an asset to that particular population to know like, Hey, actually, this is what I'm facing in my state. And these are the things that we've done. This is the things that we've implemented. So even from that perspective, just to share those experiences that you've been having in your advocacy work and your volunteerism, I think can be an asset to, to organizations, to individuals, uh, or just to have that kind of, Hey, this is what I'm going through. I need some coaching on how to navigate my career or life because I need to leave my state or I need to change my job because of the attacks on my community, the attacks yeah. of me, me as a person for living in my body, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Just for living in my body. Just for living in my body today is what I'm being attacked for. So uh, right, right. I think get, just getting support from, from that and that's mm-hmm. not, not therapy. That's not a mental health condition. Right. Because, yeah, it, it's not in the DSM. <laughs> right, right. Even though people want to think it's a mental health condition, it's not. So I think you doing this work can, the one-to-one I think could be also, it doesn't have to have a curriculum and then you can work to that curriculum. You Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You can work towards having that or someone could go through that experience of whatever it is of um, nervous system regulation, for example. Mm-hmm. And that's your core curriculum for that. But maybe you also have like business consulting or um, career consulting type in the yeah. realm of just showing up for them and whatever they need. Anyway, I'm just throwing out ideas. I don't know how it's landing. I like it. More sticky notes <laughs> in my brain, but also very helpful in the sense of letting it evolve. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I like both yeah. ideas. I just feel like to get you st- started like how would people you have so that you have all this interest so maybe part of it is going back to those people that seem really interested what experience online would you want what what would you is it the wording is it the messaging because i don't know if people hearing retreat things like online retreat after covid forget it but if it's like um we're going to focus on regulating your nervous system in eight weeks with um and it's led by a queer healer it's going to be for other queer healers this is a safe space so it's a different they might sign up for that but maybe the retreat 
virtually is kind of that that landed with me a little bit. I'm like, oh, would I sign up for a virtual retreat right now? Probably not because of you know COVID, and that's the only reason for me. But I would go to an in person likely because that sounds great. Yeah, yeah. But they might do a different online experience, so it could be going back to your people and asking them, what would you want to have? What would you want to sign up for? Yeah, I've even had clients kind of use me as a business consultant. Yeah. Some professionals, young professionals. And recently one even mentioned to me talking about something that they had experienced in a positive way in the a colleague of theirs wanting to hire, oh, I need to hire that person to like talk to all of my employees and teach them that thing <laughs> to do, you know, for for themselves, for the customer service experience or whatever, whatever it was that that client felt like they received. They were coming to me to say, would you be interested in doing some strange little bit of business consultation? (laughs) I do like the idea of marketing the one-on-one coaching that is not niched. Yeah. Not niched to, would it be niched for people in the queer community? I think, I think what leads me there is like, the clients that I have, not everybody is a queer healer, not everyone. Okay. And so I would want it to still be open to them. You know, a, a lot of them are queer or at least adjacent, but um, still under the umbrella though. Yeah. When I, when I look at business and streamlining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know I've, I've given you a lot to think about, about different ideas. Yes. Yes. And I'm going to enjoy listening to this and writing them down again and like playing with them. Yeah. And I'll give you the recording. I'd like to follow up. I mean, I know, I know you. Yeah. So I'd like to just follow up and see like, where are you thinking? And, uh, but I love your idea for the retreat for queer, queer healers. And if that's maybe a different yeah. location, I mean, I, I think we've talked to them like, mm-hmm. Oh, you should come up to Maine. Cause <laughs> I right. would work here. <laughs> right. The idea of different locations is on the consideration. Yeah. List. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see where that evolves to. But it does feel important to keep it keep yes. offering. It. Yes. But it's it's like what you know, just can I think going back to those people that have said I'm so interested, but something stopped them. What's stopping them? And maybe trying to like help understand that piece better that to see what's the program they need. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I don't yeah, it's it's interesting because whenever I actually launched that offering it really felt like the energy was all there. Yeah. Whenever I developed it, but right mm-hmm. as I launched it is when the legislative checks all hit. Mm. And so my own energy was diverted. And so I still followed through with offering it, but my feeling whenever nobody signed up was just of gratitude. I was like, ah, because it just felt so out of alignment with what was happening to have to actually follow through with it in that moment. Yeah. Because, I mean, people are, you know, if you think about safety, you know, they're in immediate, like, I'm in threat mode. So I'm not in a mode to feel vulnerable, to feel open, to feel like I could explore my nervous system. Well, my nervous system needs to stay in sympathetic. It needs to stay in fight or flight because I feel threatened. So that makes total sense that maybe they didn't feel I can be open. I can kind of open this up because I'm in survival mode. 
Yeah, um, I, yeah, very much like 2020 is, is it threw survival mode into the mix. And the idea of the virtual retreat came from there was a lot of interest, at least nationally, even a little bit outside of the U.S., but there was a lot of interest from coast to coast about the retreat, but fear of coming to Oklahoma. Right. I don't think the spring helped that. <laughs> I don't think the legislative stuff helped that. But Probably um, not. But there was a lot of interest in that. that um, yeah. Not experience. So I will consider who to ask to follow through. Yeah. I just think it could uh, be interesting, an interesting conversation. Well, yeah, I could talk for sure. with you forever, but I have to jump off for today. So uh, where, if people want to connect with you about the good work you're doing, how can they connect with you? The website healingforqueerhealers.com is awesome. a place they can find out about the actual physical retreat or the virtual retreats, or if they just would like to be on my email list, I do uh, send a weekly email out with just the intention of hopefully bringing some sort of support and information. And I do resources at times. It's a great newsletter. You should sign up for it. Thank <laughs> you. Listening. It is awesome. You're doing good Thank work. Thank you. Though. And as I do evolve and have more to offer to nurture the people that I care about, that's where you'd find out. So <laughs> if you want to know. Yes. Awesome. Great. Thank you, Jen. I appreciate so all of much. your time and help and holding space for me to wrap my brain around some of these things. It's my pleasure. Awesome. You take care. Thanks. You too. Thank you for listening to the Joy After Burnout podcast. Be the first to hear new episodes by following the podcast in your podcast player. This is an informational podcast only. Any information expressed by the host or guest is not a substitute for legal, medical, or financial advice.